Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. So what's the best Christmas present in the world? A broken drum. Do you know why? You just can't beat it. How did Mary and Joseph know Jesus' weight when he was born? Because they had a way in the manger. I think it was eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus and his fleet. Uh, sorry. All right. We're, uh, we've been, during this entire Christmas season, going back and rereading Anagonosko is the word God sort of spoke to me about, and that is the word to read aloud the scriptures and just to read, read these stories aloud and take some time and walk to it, through it and talk through it. So I wanted to take a, just a few minutes tonight, and I wanted to read through the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. If you've got a Bible, open up and follow along with me, all right? Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Can we just go deep all of a sudden? Would y'all let me about this Christmas story? I have always fought against this first two verses here. Here's why. Those first three verses have a lot of history in them. I mean, a lot of history. They have a lot of factual statements in them about Caesar Augustus. So this is a specific time in history. And then there's this dude named Quirinius, who's the governor of Syria. And so anyway, I was reading a book years ago. And, and you know, you can read stuff and they can throw a shadow of doubt over your faith, right? Did you know that you could do that? So I was reading this book years ago, and it said that this, this had to be wrong because Matthew said, one of them had to be wrong because Matthew said that Jesus was born during the reign of Herod, and we know that he died about 3 BC. So this Quirinius was the governor of Syria at like 6 AD. That's when we knew he was the governor of Syria. And I, I struggled with this, and I was like, I, you know, can't be both, can't be 3 B.C. and 6 A.D. Did y'all figure that out, right? So, uh, anybody, anybody ever have, like, somebody throw an aspersion at your faith, and it, like, digs at you, and then you question, is it really true? Am I the only person that ever has this happen to me? So, I'm, like, struggling with this for years, but you know, you know what I know? If somebody throws an aspersion at your faith, and somebody throws something that you don't understand, um, you know what the dumbest thing to do is to give up what you do know for what you don't know. I don't think y'all heard me. I know it's Christmas Eve and we're supposed to, I'm wearing a tie and you don't know what to do about that. But the whole fact is, is that I, you know, Christmas, I always wear a tie. I don't care. Um, if, if you have a question, you don't give up what you do know for what you don't know. So believe it or not, after about 20 years, <laughs> this past year, I was doing some reading and I found out that Quirinius was actually not the governor of Syria once, but he was the governor, or at least he was in a high office twice. Did you know that? And it, anyway, it doesn't say while he was the governor of Syria in the Greek. It says that 
it happened while Quirinius was there, and Quirinius was the governor of Syria. That's like calling President Obama President Obama. He's no longer president, but he was at one time, right? All right. So anyway, I found out some stuff that this actually, and I don't, I'm not going to geek out with you. I'm not going to geek out. But let's, let me simply say this. I know I've geeked out enough. This story right here was written to Rome as a court brief. And Luke says he carefully investigated. And everything we know about Luke, not only from my personal studies, but from anybody that's looked at Luke in a historian light will tell you that Luke doesn't get stuff wrong. All right? And the more I've looked at this, the more I realize that Luke actually was writing a court brief to Rome, and he got his first historical fact right. It did happen. He picks a time, he picks a place, and he tells us when and how it happens. And by the way, all of these things happened about 3 to 4 B.C. If you can chase it down, because it's available for you to actually find it, but you got to know where to look. And something that once was a question mark in my faith has now become an exclamation point to my faith because I didn't throw away what I knew for the sake of what I didn't know. And I just want to say that because there are some of you in this room that you have all kinds of questions or problems or doubts about your faith or about God. And I want to start by saying this. You don't find your answers by abandoning your search. You stay with your search and eventually God will give you the answer. So uh, these verses and I, we now have no more problem. I actually understand them now. I understand when it happened and that Jesus was born honestly, exactly to the day prophesied uh, at least 150 years before, maybe 300 years before in the book of Daniel. The day is picked out by God. God picked the time to send Jesus and he gave us prophecies in scripture to make it real and accurate and true. And if God knew that and God says he knows you by name, then maybe you ought to cling to what you do know, that God knows you, he loves you, he understands you. Luke chapter 2, verse 4, So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem and the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. This is funny. God caused an entire world to turn upside down to move them about 40 miles to get Jesus where he was supposed to be born. In Micah chapter 5 verse 2 it says, but you Bethlehem Apathra, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins from are of old, from ancient times. What's funny is I read that this morning in my devotions and I thought to myself, I think I'm quoting that in my message today because God chose to send the entire world into chaos to be taxed to be taxed so that he could put Jesus born in the right location. Luke chapter 2 verse 6 says, while they were there, there came time came for the baby to be born. And when she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. By the way, those of you that still think it's an inn, it probably isn't an inn. Do you know what's happening here? What's happening here is a 16, 15, 14, 13 year old girl, something like that, is pregnant and she was engaged and not married yet. So everybody sort of thought it was, um, um, what's he putting it, scandalous for a little girl back then to be pregnant 
even though she wasn't married yet. And uh, she would show up at the family house and everybody in the family house would say, well, you're not welcome to my house <laughs> because of the way you're living. Because, yeah, there wasn't, room in, there wasn't room for them in the guest rooms because the family was saying, no, you're not going to do that in here. Wow. Anyway, just saying. And, and you know what happened? The time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws. Now, that word wrapped in claws is swaddling. Do you know what they would do? They made me do it when, when my firstborn was born, I thought. This is sort of odd. The nurses came in, and they took a blanket, and they showed me how to pull their legs up and their arms in real tight and to tighten up the cloth real tight. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's called swaddling. That's, that's what it is. And what you're doing in that moment is you're making the baby feel more comfortable like they're in the womb and they're, they're tight and they're enclosed. And it's called swaddling, making their hands and feet immobile. And I just think it's interesting that God designed, designed babies so that, um, let me see, they would want their hands and feet immobile as a source of comfort. But I think it's also interesting that Jesus would also find his hands and feet immobile in the day he died as a source of comfort to us for all time. So Luke 2, 8, 9, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. And this is what I really want to talk about tonight. I, I decided just to read through the text instead of really preach a sermon. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. <laughs> all right. So shepherds living out in the fields. Uh, shepherds were sort of the vagabond people. They had the real bad reputation. It is interesting to me that when God wants to announce the birth of his son, he doesn't go to kings first. You know who he goes to first? A bunch of nobodies, a bunch of lowlifes, a bunch of people outcast by the world. Shepherds were a despised class because they had a, a ceremonially unclean job. So they couldn't do what they do and go worship at the temple. So they were always unclean. And that meant that people didn't want to touch them because if you touch something unclean, you became unclean. And then there was a big process to make you clean again. So they not only had an unclean job, but they were known as people that would help themselves to what wasn't theirs. So shepherds were known as thieves and they were known as unclean. They weren't really the greatest people in the world. And according to the Talmud, which is a Jewish writing about that time, they were not even allowed to give testimony in a law court. So these are people that they were viewed as the lowest of people. And it's interesting to me that shepherds were the first ones that heard about Jesus' birth. Jesus came to the least of these. And, and, and one more thing I found out in doing my reading about all this. Do you know that these shepherds, they were only five miles. They were only five miles from Jerusalem. They were only five miles where all the sacrifices were being made. And they were out eat shepherds. Uh, if you know anything about how sheep eat, uh, sheep don't eat and then you don't refeed them off the same field. It takes time because they nub way too close to the ground and they eat the grass way too close to the ground. It takes time for them to grow back. So shepherds constantly had to keep moving and they were out in these fields and there wouldn't be any other sheep in that area except sheep that were devoted to the temple. These were the sheep that were going to be sacrificed on the altar at the temple. So the people who saw Jesus first were the shepherds who were keeping the Passover lambs, and they went to visit the Passover lamb. <coughs> Sorry about the cough there. 
Um, wow, I've had one of these for days. Oh, excuse me, please. <coughs> All right. <clears throat> had to do a powerful one there. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. Um, does anybody remember all those skits used to be done? Here's your sign. I really got to thinking about here's a sign to you. So listen to the sign, all right? This is God's, if God's going to give you a sign... This is his sign. You ready? You'll find a baby wrapped in claws and laying in a stone manger. There you go. Feed trough. All right. That's like saying you will see, if you drive across North Ridgeville, a red car stopped at a stoplight, and that will be a sign to you. <laughs> Have you ever thought about this? Those of us that want a sign... Can I talk to my doubters again for just a second? You're always wanting God to give you a sign. God gives you 10,000 signs. Like the fact that you're breathing. You didn't make your heart beat today. You get signs everywhere. You got a warm house to live in. You didn't freeze to death the last couple of days. That is a sign of God's goodness, right? What's a sign? You'll, you'll find a baby. <laughs> That's a sign. This is God's sign. All right, everybody, here's your sign. It'll be a baby, <laughs> but it'll be in a manger. What if the sign you're looking for from God looks a lot like everything else in your life? Notice the sign was the baby, but I want you to see what happened next. What happened next? Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace on those whom his favor rests. <coughs> the sign is a baby, not the angel singing in the heavens. What, you don't read the Bible like I do? I read it, and I'm like, what? You've got to be kidding. Angel shows up, starts singing, glory to God. The choir from heaven is singing. That's not the sign a baby is. When the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, and this is the most duh statement in all of scripture. <clears throat> Think about it. If angels come and sing to you and tell you about a baby and they sing glory to God. Hey, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Yeah. Angels announced it. It's a sign from God. Hey, let's, let's check this out and see if it's real. But you know, I've talked to a lot of people over the years, especially doubters. You know what? When I tell them the truth about Jesus and I tell them, just go home and watch the movie Case for Christ. You know what they don't do? They don't go watch the movie. Do you know why? Because God could give you all the signs in the world. God could speak to you all you want. God could show you angels. God could do everything. But until you're willing to act upon it, nothing God does will be good enough for you because you're putting yourself in the place of God rather than him. All right. When they had seen it, they spread the word. Oh, oh, back, back. The angel left. They said, let us go to Bethlehem, see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So they found their sign. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning all that had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 
So just quickly, can we put ourselves in the place of the shepherds for just a second? There are three things the shepherd did I would like us to do. First of all, when they heard about Jesus, they didn't hesitate to look for Jesus. Secondly of all, they didn't keep Jesus a secret once they found him. And third, they glorified and praised God when they found him. So um, just to close here tonight, and the band's going to come. Pastor Matt's going to get ready. In 1994, Major League Baseball endured a player's strike. Does anybody remember that? 1984, there was a player's strike. It canceled the rest of the season. In 1995, what they did was they went out and got replacement players, and they asked replacement players to play the games of spring training. And the baseball was horrible. The guys who were playing couldn't, couldn't cut it, so they weren't invited to the league. There were only a few that were, and then they weren't, and yeah, there's all kinds of issues. But <clears throat> these guys that were playing, they weren't playing for the big, lucrative contracts. They were playing for one simple reason. They loved baseball. If you will, they were the shepherds of the baseball league, They in Major League Baseball. They were the people that did it because they wanted to, not because they had a contract making them do it. The first play, this tells you how bad the baseball was. The first play, I'm gonna, the announcer, it was an exhibition game of the Arizona Sun Devils, which is a college team, and it was against um, um, the Angels, the Los Angeles Angels. The hitter from the Sun Devils hit a, a, a shot to the shortstop. The shortstop grabbed the ball, overthrew first base. The ball careened off the wall and bounced right back to the first baseman who grabbed the ball and tagged the runner out as he was going to first base. And the guy calling the play says, and that's the first ever replacement player play, a six to wall to three, tag out. <laughs> they were literally out of their league, but they played because they wanted to not because they had to. And what I would like to do tonight is I would like to encourage you. God's given you a sign. You're here tonight. And you will find Kevin Crow in a tie. That is a sign from God. You need a sign, that's it. That's it right there. God loves you. He loves you. He sent his son to give you eternal life. Believe in him and you can have eternal life. Here's your sign. Here's your sign. It's called communion. We're going to receive it together. And I want to encourage you to open your heart in faith to receive the love and the goodness of God in this moment. Father, I pray that today, though we're out of our league, just like the shepherds, that our hearts would be open to you and that we would trust the sign of your love, your goodness, your faithfulness, and your forgiveness. And if there are those in this place today, they're struggling because they have doubts and questions, let them see the sign, the sign that you love them, the sign that you're here, the sign that you have spoken, and let their hearts be open to you, I pray.